Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or, or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of, these, for of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such as a person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Well, we all know that some words have very different meanings. If I said to you guys, let's go cook some meat on a barbie, you would know what I'm talking about because you're Australian. But if I went and said that to some Americans, they would be very confused as to why I'm trying to cook meat on a barbie doll, right? Love is another one of those words that has very different meanings. For some of you, love might be that feeling you get in your stomach when you see a cute guy or girl across the room at youth group. Love might be love might be that thing you say to the person that you love when you know you want to take that next step in your relationship or love might be something that you throw out to lots of people you love lots of things or it might be something you say to one particular person love has very different meanings and i'm sure for all of us in this room love will mean different things it might bring up heartache for some rejection for others, or excitement for other people at future prospects. And deep within all of us, there's a desire to be loved, isn't there? There's a desire to be fully known and for someone to know the depths of who we are, our flaws, our achievements, who we are, and to still love us. And that's a good thing that God has placed inside each one of us. But unfortunately, our culture is confusing us. There's so many TV shows, songs, media, um, movies that are all giving us a really bad idea about what love is. That love is about what someone can give me, how they can suit me, how they can give me what I want when I want it. And the world's definition of love actually seems to be lust, that it's about getting what we need. It's about feelings that we can feel. It's selfish, it's demanded, it's impure, it's shallow and temporary. And this is causing us so much pain. I know so many of stories just in this room where broken love has torn apart families, where broken love has hurt people for tremendous amounts of time. The world's definition of love just doesn't work. But the Christian definition of love is different. It's going to come up on the slide here. The Christian definition of love is voluntarily suffering inconvenience, discomfort, and even death for the benefit of another without expecting anything in return. Friends, this is Jesus' love. Jesus' love is not selfish, but sacrificial. It's not demanded, it's offered. It's not impure, it's pure. It's not shallow, but it's deep. It's not temporary, but it's eternal. This is the love that Christians should show each other and the world. It's not focused on me, but the other. And so when I talk about love tonight, this is the definition of what I mean. If you haven't been with us before, this term we are studying the book of Ephesians. 
Um, And we've been looking at how Christ unites his people together and transforms them together. And so tonight we're going to see three big things from Ephesians chapter 4 and 5. We're going to see that we should live a life of love because Christ loved us. We should live a life of love because we are set apart. And then we're going to look at practically what this life of love looks like. So first up, we should live a life of love because Christ first loved us. And so I get this from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So the command for Christians is to follow God, is to copy him by living a life of love. We are to follow him, to mimic him in this life. Loved children want to imitate and copy their fathers. We have a photo um, on the next slide. When I was younger, um, my brother had a little toy mower. And every time my dad used to go out and mow the lawn, my brother would be out there pushing his little mower along. So just like little children who love their dads want to copy him, God's children who love him also want to copy him. God's children are dearly loved with a sacrificial love. We're not just a tiny bit loved or loved when we make good choices. No, we are loved with an infinite, overwhelming, beautiful love that's shown in Jesus Christ. Jesus gives us the perfect example of love by offering his life as a sacrifice by dying on the cross. Human love, guys, just can't compare to that. Jesus, the God of the universe, steps into the human story to save bad people from their own bad choices and their own bad actions. Human love just can't compare to that. No human would do that for you. The Bible actually speaks of Jesus' love. Um, It says there's no greater love or sacrifice than dying for a friend. But Jesus actually died for his enemies. When we wanted nothing to do with him, he stepped in and saved the day. We looked a few weeks ago about how big Jesus' love is, how it's bigger than any breadth or depth or length or height that we can ever imagine. And so human love says, when you stop making me feel good, you're out. But Jesus' love says, I will go to the realms of the dead and back to save you from your wickedness. So we should live a life of love because Christ first loved us. And now we come to our second point. We should live a life of love because we are set apart. I find this in verse 3. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Sexual immorality there just means any sexual experience outside of God's design, which is marriage between a man and a woman. God's people should be different. They should be set apart, this verse says. They should be holy. And so sexual immorality, impurity and greed are just three examples of what God calls us to do because we're not made for that life. Now, to help us understand this a little bit more, I want to tell you about the person on the next slide. This is Mary Donaldson. About 50 years ago, Mary was born in Tasmania. She lived a pretty normal life. She went to school, went to uni, got a degree and started working. Then one day in 2000 at the Sydney Olympics, Mary was at a Sydney pub. She was chatting to her friends who introduced her to some other friends who introduced her to some other friends who introduced her to this guy. 
So they started chatting, they got along really well, and they hit it off. But what Mary didn't realise was who she was talking to. She was actually speaking to Crown Prince Frederick of Denmark, who was second in line to the throne. And so the story goes, they fell in love, got married, and now this is, this is um, Mary. What? Now I tell you this story because do you think that after Mary married Prince Frederick, she spent a lot of time in Sydney pubs? No, right? It's not appropriate for her. She is a part of a new family, a royal family, a set-apart family. And so if you are a Christian, you are also a part of a royal family, a set-apart family. And so just like it's inappropriate for, Sydney, uh, for Mary to hang out in Sydney pubs now, it's inappropriate for Christians to hang out and do things that dishonour Jesus the King, just like the things we read in verse 3. If Jesus saves us from all our wickedness and sin, it would be strange for us to go back into the ways of the world. It's like a mosquito, right? Go with me on this. Mosquitoes are attracted to bug zappers or lights, right? They get drawn in and they get zapped and they keep going back and back and back and then one day it kills them. And so that's what this passage is saying. Don't get drawn in by a lifestyle that looks good and looks like it's going to satisfy because one day, you might not do it as quickly as a bug zapper, but one day it's going to kill you. You should live a life differently because of what Jesus has done. He was embarrassed, he was humiliated, he was tortured, he was crucified, he was shamed for us. So why would we go back to that old lifestyle? Why would you go back to the very things that he saved you from? Christians don't do those things that are listed in verse 3 because we're traditional people or we don't like to have fun. We don't do those things because we know the depth and the cost that Jesus went through to save us from those things. Verse 5 also shows us how serious God is about this stuff. It says, For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. That passage is pretty clear. It's pretty straightforward. But I'll tell you who it doesn't apply to. That verse doesn't apply to someone who stuffs up, but who humbly comes to God and says, I'm sorry, I want to change. I shouldn't have done that. Someone who humbly asks for forgiveness can still get that inheritance in heaven. But if someone is continually immoral, someone who is in that sexual relationship outside of marriage, who is impure, who is greedy, is basically saying to God, God, I don't want you, but I want your stuff. God, I want nothing to do with you. I don't want a relationship with you, but I want the things you can give me. And that's idolatry. There's another royal person who can help us understand this a little bit more, and they're on the next slide, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. A few months ago, I didn't even know that you could do this, they quit the royal family. They gave up on their royal responsibilities and their royal duties, and they left. We want nothing to do do with this. But as a result, one of the things they had to do was they had to pay back $3 million for renovations to their house because it was paid by British taxpayers. Prince Harry didn't get any of that money because he chose a different life. You can't reject the royalty and get the riches. 
And that's what verse 5 is saying. You can't reject the royalty and get the riches. You can't reject Jesus the King by your actions and still think that you can get an inheritance in heaven. It doesn't work like that. And it's perfectly just and good and fair for God to do that. Someone who truly loves God and truly lives as a child of him will want to obey and copy their father and not ignore him. During the time of the Ephesians, there were also a lot of false teachers going around. And they were saying, you can do what you want with your body. It's fine. It doesn't affect the state of your soul. And they were tricking the Ephesians into believing such things. And what it strikes me today is that it's so relevant to us as well. Doesn't our culture say, it doesn't matter what you do with your body. You know, it's your choice. Live how you want. I can think of a thousand examples of that. But God says, no, honour me with your body. You were bought for a price. Friends, our loving Jesus shows us the boundary lines. He shows us what's right and not right, what's bad and what's good for us. I've had friends who've lived a verse 3 life and they've had many heartaches and um, regrets from that. But then they turn to Jesus with a broken heart and he puts them back together. And I've also had friends who haven't chosen that path, but they've sought to follow God's example and faithfully and beautifully obeyed Jesus and they've never regretted that life. So choose to live a life of love because you are set apart and choose to live a life of love because Christ first loved you. So let's now turn to our third point. What does this life of love look like? Well, we live in a generation now that has more access to the Bible, to online sermons, to commentaries, to good Bible teaching than any other generation. It's kind of just increasing like that, right? But I don't know about you, but I don't see God's people obeying and growing in holiness and godliness at that same rate. Knowledge and godliness don't look like that. Why? Because simply knowing what to do and the right way to follow God is different from having the desire to do that. We need the Spirit's help. Without Jesus, we don't suddenly want to turn and follow him. He has to transform our hearts and our desires so that we will follow God. We need his strength. We need his power to live a life of love. We can't do it on our own. So ultimately, a life of love looks like doing the things Jesus did. It's laying down your life for others. It's serving others. It's caring for them. It's providing for their emotional and spiritual needs. Um, it's calling out evil. It's speaking the truth. And that's the broad summary. But Ephesians 4 and 5 are going to give us some specifics on how to do that. And so hopefully as we go through these, the Spirit will convict you and challenge you to turn to Jesus and follow him. So we've got a table on the next slide. This is just a summary of chapters 4 and 5. So what does a life loving people Jesus look like? It looks like instead of lying, we are truthful. Instead of stealing, we work and do something useful so we can share with those in need. Instead of using hurtful or unhelpful words, we build each other up. Instead of getting angry or talking about people behind their backs, we're kind and compassionate. Instead of holding a grudge, we forgive as Christ forgave us. Instead of sexual immorality, impurity and greed, we're thankful. Instead of bad and filthy language, we're also thankful. Instead of being drunk, we are filled with the Spirit. And instead of being unwise, we are wise. So often as Christians, we tend to focus on the boundary lines and the fences that stop us from sinning. But what if another way to fight sin and temptation is actually being thankful? Have you ever thought about that? When we are thankful, we're pointing to God and we're saying, God, I 
adore you. I'm acknowledging what you're doing in my life right now instead of focusing on ourselves. Because when we do that, we get discontent and we get... um, and we turn from God. So when you are thankful, you're acknowledging all your needs to him. And that's the best way to fight some of these different things. So in your small groups, we're going to chat about these a bit more and hopefully personally one of them stood out to you. So just to recap, Christians should live a life of love because Christ first loved us. Christians should live a life of love because we are set apart. And a life of loving people Jesus' way is different to what the world says. So I'm just going to pray now that we can do that. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you would change our hearts, Lord. Put inside each one of us a desire to follow you, Lord, because we know what Jesus did for us. Transform our hearts, change us from the inside, Lord, so that we might see your beauty and we might want to turn from our sin. Lord, help us to put our faith in you as we do this. Convict us of the ways we've fallen short and help us to know how much you love us, that your love is not dependent on our actions. It's not dependent on our good days, on our bad days, but you love us with an infinite, overwhelming, beautiful love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.